ready for the hottest sports podcast from the Motor City, Detroit, Michigan, the Varsity Club, always bringing the heat. Here they are, the brothers of the deep. Welcome back to the Varsity Club. I'm Big Ben Brewer. I'm he is the Dan Brewer. And we are the Brothers of the D. Back by listener demand, we're going to talk more Diamond Talk. We'll break down the NL East. And then we're going to recap the first couple rounds of the NFL draft. And we got much, much more. So you're going to sit back, relax. Here comes the heat. Let's kick it off with some Diamond Talk. Baseball's back. We love baseball. Yes. And we're going to talk NL East which is probably one of the competitive divisions in baseball. And uh, we're going to talk about kicking off with the Atlanta Falcons, the defending. Oh, we're talking Atlanta Falcons playing baseball? <laughs> Once again, we were talking football right before we started. So uh, <laughs> we were talking football, so Falcons were on the brain, I guess. Um, Atlanta I just, Braves. I was my, just talking about the Falcons before we started yes. to in defense of Big Bad. Yeah, and of course, and I, you know, Braves was one of my childhood other teams. So they're defending, as I said, the defending NL East champions. That's the first time they won it since 2013. Yes, they have. Their, oh, that was their 13th division title. That's most by any team in that division. Um, Braves are much. The Braves are still improved. I think they're probably the top of this division. Um, even though the other teams below them um, made some moves and got better, and their manager came out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, what Brian uh, Snisker? Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think and he, he probably was, he was manager of the year last year. Manager of the year National last year. They the year. He, hey, he won ninety games last year. You know, uh, they were ninety and seventy-two to win this division, and. Uh, you know, Nationals finished behind them at 82 and 80, and then the Phillies right there in the middle of the pack with 80 and 82, and then the Mets at 77 and 85, and the Marlins, of course. Marlins suck. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't. That's one of those franchises. Unfortunately, you know, I hate to say it, they're like the Lions. They've of, got. I, I, well, no, I can't say that because they've won. They've won. Um, they've won World Series Multiple titles. You World know, Series. Yeah. Um, but you know, lately, you know, they got a new. Obviously, we all know he's got a new ownership down there in Miami. Um, Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter. But uh, we'll talk to them and just about them in just a moment. Um, the Atlanta Braves. You know, what can we say? They're probably the cream of the crop of this division. Um, they got Josh Donaldson in the off season. They locked up um, uh, some of their young guys there. Yeah, they locked up uh, Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Alves, and you know, th- they got him on pretty club-friendly contracts. Yeah. They're probably overpaying for them this season and maybe next season, but long-term... Long-term, it's not. It's their bargain. It's a bargain bargain contract, and that's their... Basement bargain. You know, that's their... uh, You know, the GM's doing something good there in in Atlanta right now. You know, they locked the division up finally since 2013. They're making strides. they got a manager in there. Um, You know, obviously any manager since Bobby Cox, the Hall of Famer, um... uh, it's got big shoes to fill, but to get this franchise back in the winning ways. But they started off last year uh, getting back in the winning ways, and they actually went. They would. They lose the Dodgers in the in the divisional series. Yes. So uh, obviously, but, we know the Dodgers went on to 
But like I said, better things. locking up Acuna and Albies as cheap as they did, cheap long as they term, did long term. That's their that's their franchise. You know, and, and these guys have not hit their prime yet. No. So. And the thing is, because you're got them on such a basement bargain deal. Yeah, I mean that uh, you can put a team or you know more players around them to make this team even more complete. I really like the Braves in this division. Yeah. I still think, you know, we'll get to it shortly here on uh, what we think are projections of this division. But, you know, I, you they're know, the champs. And we can't, they got to be beat. We can't forget, you know. they still have Freddie Freeman. Yep. They have Matt Joyce, a left-handed bat. They got Nick Markakis. Veteran Nick Markakis. You know, they got the, They've got a, good a nice mixture. young rotation. Um, so And they got a nice mixture of the veterans with the young They do. Players. Actually, you know, their clubhouse is a good mix. Yeah. It's a good mix. Maybe that's the... The story of their success um, going on, you know, last couple years. But, yeah, I'm really liking uh, the Braves. The Braves are looking good. I, I like them. Uh, you want to move on to the next team, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, who made the biggest splash in the offseason, probably signing Bryce Harper. Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely went out. I My only thing, of course, we know Gabe Kapler, former Detroit Tiger, is the manager. Yes. He's been there for a couple seasons now. Uh, I think this is, what, his second season with them. Yeah, he, he yes. was their manager last year. Yeah, this is going um, into second season, yep. But, of course, he's got my boy, Jake Arrieta. Yeah. You know, like, like you said, they got Bryce You know, they Harper. also signed, I forgot, they forgot they signed... Uh, they got McCutcheon. Andrew McCutcheon, they signed him as a free agent, a veteran in this locker room and uh, in the Pat clubhouse. Mishak. Now, now they did miss out. They really wanted Mike Trout. They were... Cause they they, were this is one team Mike probably, Trout. and probably all of baseball, have... You know they've tanked. You know they've not really tanked it, but they've not been good the last few years. They've been in rebuild mode, obviously, and they've saved up some money. And even signing Bryce Harper to the Bryce Harper deal that they signed, they still had money left yeah, over. Yeah, they can still get and a And they match. still was going to. They had enough money to sign at least Another, one more max deal, yeah. and still had some Lego room there to maybe bring in some more pieces. And they were banking on Mike Trout, but we'll talk about but Mike they Trout definitely, later they definitely on when we get to the ALS West. Salary cap wise, the build they're more still good. Them. You know, and they also signed their uh, their I guess you'd say they're probably one of their aces of their staff, Aaron Nola. They saw, re-signed him to yeah. a four year contract. They extended him out in the offseason. So Phillies are definitely improved. Uh, a lot improved, I think. And they got that gritty Pat Neshek in the bullpen. Right. So, I mean, they've got some things going that they, to me, which we'll get to our predictions a little bit, they might uh, they might move up in this division uh, this season. What do season. you think about the Nationals? The Washington Nationals. I mean, I mean, you still got probably Max Scherzer. You're probably your is your uh, ace of the staff. You got still got Strasburger, Strasburg, excuse me. Uh, you know, you still got the Ryan Zimmermans. You still hear about them. They have he has, they have Anibal Sanchez, I believe. Yeah. You know how he didn't do bad him. last year in the league. You know, he just did horrible. Oh, and Tigers. you know who once, else? Once you got? give him a big contract, you know who else just... I got? Who I really like is Brian Dozier. Brian Dozier. I've always liked Brian. I mean, yeah, he played in the he played in the Central. We watched him play with Minnesota. You He's know, he really went on good. he went on and he helped the Dodgers in the postseason a year ago. You know, so you know, he's a good, he's a good solid. He's a good leadoff guy. He can lead off. He's he yeah. does very well. Um, so solid you know, they got Sean Doolittle in the bullpen. They got Jan Gomes behind the plate to go with Kurt Suzuki, who's back in Washington. And they got Tony Sip. That's right. They got the, Tony uh, Sip. The so they've he got a really nice good. solid bullpen to go life with a nice solid um, 
starting rotation. So, you know, yeah, they lost out. They lost Bryce Harper. Okay. Let's move on time. I mean, you really not – you just have – I mean, you, it's going to probably take a couple guys to replace the numbers that Bryce Harper put up. But I think you're still right there, and you're still at the top of this division. You know, you're still in the top to challenge the – you know, until the until until one of these teams knock off the Braves, the Braves are still you know they're defending yeah. champions. So I mean they're up there. I mean then we got the Miami Marlins. Then, uh, well, how about the Mets? Or you want to talk about the Marlins? Let's talk about the Marlins. Let's we were, do the Marlins. We were start talking about them a little bit. You know they're in re- full blown blown flat out rebuild mode. Derek they got this Jeter. new ownership with Derek Jeter, and you know they've even come to this point where they they've changed the uniforms and the logo and everything. They're trying to just a clean slate and try to recharge things. I, you know, they do. I do believe they have a do have a great manager, Don Mattingly, Donnie Baseball. He's a great manager. Um, yeah, this team is probably is very young team. Um, would you say Starling Castro's their star, the yeah. former Cub? Yeah, I would say. You know, I mean, you got you know you got some veterans, uh, Curtis Granderson, who's still grinding it out. We love Grandy. Uh, Neil true. Walker, still another defense. Uh, uh, you know, a veteran, a presence in the lineup. He, you know, he can hit. And his play glove the is, is it's top notch. You know, you got Sergio Romo coming out of the bullpen. So, I mean, you got a lot of nice, some young pieces. But like we said, the key word for the Miami Marlins is young. Young, young, young. Um, you know, I guess, you know, Derek Jeter's trying his best to, you know, trying to lure some free agents to South Florida. But, you know, it's going to take time for this new Marlins, this new Marlins team to get themselves going. And uh, which, you know, like this is a very competitive division. So it'll be tough for them, you know. But, uh, you know, I think Derek Jeter, he's, he's motivated. He's ready to go. He's... He's taking the mentality of the front office as he did on the diamond. I we personally didn't like Derek Jeter because who he played for, which he played for the Yankees. But I had respect for him because yeah, he had what to he respect done. His game. What, what? Yeah, respect his game, and he's taking that mentality that he took playing the game into into the management. Um, so uh, yeah, the Miami Marlins uh, still a young young team, and uh, probably the, was the last the last team in this division, the New York Mets, who. Yeah. Uh, They've got some play. I mean, they've got some. They got a you know a Cy Young award winning pitcher and Jacob Degrom. Um, you and know Noah Sandegard. Noah Sandegard. You know that's probably their top two names in the and rotation. I like their manager, uh, Mickey Callaway. Mickey Callaway, another uh, another uh, second year guy. You know this this he, division is. He was the uh, former. Was it pitching coach for the Indians? I yeah, he, he you know, yeah, he was under uh, Terry Francona, so uh, he's good there. You know, they went out and re- they uh, went out and signed Robinson Cano, so Robinson Cano's back in New York. Todd Frazier's in New York. You know, Todd Frazier, he's still in he's still in New York, so this team is still you know, you know. Uh, I mean, they're, they're improving. The they're improving. I mean, their 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 record last year was not very good. We we noticed the struggles, and everybody talked about you know Jacob Degrom going out there, and you know his win loss record wasn't the wasn't Cy Young caliber, but yeah. you know his earn run average was very, 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 very low, almost averaging at least one run a game. That was a little over one run a game, about one and a half somewhere was ERA, and you know, you know, and he was playing on a as everybody said he's playing on a bad team or a team that just didn't couldn't get the offensive output to match what Jacob Degrom yeah. was doing on the mound, and even Noah Sandergaard too. He you know basically they just the pitching. And the offense just couldn't match up, so they yeah. lost a lot of games they probably should have won. 
um, when those guys are on the on the bump. But so, you know, so if you if you're gonna pick one to five, in this, one to five, I'm going to say um, one to five. I'm going to start. I'm going to say until you beat them, Atlanta Braves okay. number one. I'm going to say I'm going to flip flop them. I'm going to do the Philadelphia Phillies second, uh, Nationals third. I'm going to say. Barring any major injury, I mean Jacob Degrom, we know now is on the disabled list right now. So barring any catastrophic, any further injuries, I still think probably the Mets are probably going to be fourth, and of course the Miami Marlins will round out this division. You know, I agree with you to an extent. I do think it's Atlanta's division to lose. I I pick it. I'm picking Atlanta to win this division. Uh, even though I don't like them, I think the Nationals are going to come in second I, because. Here's the reason why I think that. I got the Phillies finishing third in this division. See, I think I think the Phillies and Nationals because are going to be like this battle for a second as spot. Good as Bryce are Harper, battling for a wild card spot. As good as Bryce Harper is, I don't think he's a game changer. I don't think he's. No, I mean, that, his numbers adds to this lineup that they didn't. They lacked heavily in this offseason. You know, we covered it in a previous podcast about when he when he signed. His numbers compared to right. other players, and there, I just don't think he's that franchise like leader on the field, that impact player. I mean, Grant, he's he's a great player. He, he's gonna right. he's gonna be he's a, gonna put numbers. He's gonna up. be a star there for years to come. But right. I, I I think they need more. They're still a missing piece. That's why I got. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They, they've got the cap, like we said earlier. They got the cap room. Uh, you know, Phillies are not quite there yet to take. To me, are not right quite there to take over the Braves. Unless something miraculously happens and something as baseball is baseball and something happens in the dog days of summer and injuries or something happens to overtake the somebody overtake the Braves. But, you know, Phillies, I think Phillies and Nationals, they're going to be one of those that flip-flop and maybe are in a running for a wild card spot. So um, I got the Braves one, the Nationals second, the Phillies third, the Mets fourth, barring any injuries. And and the Miami Marlins in the base. So basically, you've got them what they finished last year. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's how I look at it. So yeah, that's that's uh, we're that's Diamond Talk here on the, that's the National League East, and uh, we still got a few more divisions to cover. So keep it tuned right here. To I think the we'll Varsity do. Club. I think we'll do American League West. Oh, we're gonna next. go NL West. AL West, which is uh, is uh, Seattle, very, Houston, the Los Angeles Angels of yeah. Anaheim, Texas Rangers. We leave anybody out? I think Oakland. Oakland, A. There's only four of them out there, I believe. That's that's the division. It's got four or five. Houston, Oakland, Seattle, Texas, and. So we'll break that down on the next episode of the Varsity Club. All right, Dan. uh, We all know about what's been going on with Tyreek Hill, and uh, there's some new stuff that's now surfaced. Of course, it surfaces around the NFL draft. So, Dan, tell us what's the newest, latest stuff on Tyreek Hill. So I wanted to, you know, I reached out. You know, I got a hold Dan when this stuff came out, and I wanted to talk about Tyreek Hill. You know, everyone probably knows back before he was drafted in, in the NFL, he was um, he beat up his pregnant girlfriend. And I cannot condone domestic no, violence. No, see, anyway. I think this is becoming an. I'm almost There's saying, more to this. I'm going to say this is becoming an epic. I don't want to say epidemic. But it's becoming a major factor in the National Football League. And I'm sure the commissioner in so, the NFL is, they're going to have to heavily. I mean, we've seen the suspensions on previous violators of this domestic abuse policy, but I think it needs to be more. Uh, more what's the word I'm looking for here? 
I'm looking more strict, more strict than yeah. they already are. You know, but I, let's continue on. I What's do, the new latest I thing? I do believe that everyone deserves a second chance. I believe Agreed. people screw but, up and deserve a second chance. You and lose that second chance. Kansas City has said all along, "Oh, he's he's a changed person." You know, he's a changed he's a changed person. He's not the same that he was before, which it was great to hear. Then you start hearing little things and things he was doing on the field and little things, and now it's come out that there was an investigation because his son, I believe it's his son, it's his child who with his right. girlfriend that was pregnant that he beat at, the time, at yeah. the time, has a broken arm. And the police left the investigation as this was a crime. They can't determine who committed the crime of child abuse either Tyreek Hill or the mother. So the mother actually released an audio tape that she that she had a conversation with Tyreek Hill. And the conversation went some and I'm paraphrasing, the conversation was something along the lines of Our son is afraid of you. He doesn't want to be around you. He's afraid of you. And Tyreek Hill's I didn't do nothing was his response. And then she said Whatever the story was, you you grabbed him by the arm, he fell down. That's the story, that he was with Tyreek Hill and he fell down. I don't know all the details, but... And she was like, but he's afraid of you, and he keeps saying, Daddy did it. Daddy did it. And the that's, that's evidence right there. I mean, and I, then Tyreek Hill... Come, I didn't do nothing, you know. And then she said, uh, but he's afraid of you. And then Tyreek Hill goes on this recording, he goes... You should be afraid of me too, and he called her a bitch. Mm, so yeah, you know, that's it's, I, that's why I said domestic violence needs to be. The NFL's already got things in place. They have a domestic abuse policy. Players violate it all the time. They get suspended. I this understand. And that. This might be you know. This is you know barring any you know. To me, I think so. Like any other, like if me or you. Have this issue. We get arrested. We're tried. We're convicted of demand. We're going to lose our job regardless. Correct. Just because he goes out there and catches footballs from Patrick Mahomes. It's because he's one. And what I don't like is he's one of the best receivers in the game. So it's you almost know, it's overlooked. Like you can't overlook the fact that he. If but he's been tried and convicted in the, in the court, obviously the worst case scenario, you're always going to get tried and convicted in the public eye. But, you know, it's one of these things is at some point the NFL is going to have to say, it's not, we can't keep suspending these guys for beating on their women, beating on their women. It's not or now even, this guy, now he's turned because this guy majorly must have, the Kansas City Chiefs is going to have to step up and say, you've got some anger management issues. Well, and you're going to have, we're going to suspend you and you're going to have to this mandate. Is, this is anger much management. bigger than an NFL issue. This is the no. Issue this is not. Yeah, this is bigger than clearly, the NFL. This is clearly he clearly, has an issue. Clearly, he's not changed. If he's telling his girlfriend that she should be afraid of him too, and he calls her a bitch, clearly that hasn't changed. And well, somebody this, needs to get her, get her out of that. This, she needs to leave that situation. This kid is saying, regardless that, of how much millions of dollars he makes, you can get the money from him this kid for is, child support. This kid is saying, Daddy, "Go to court." The kid's saying, "Daddy did it," and he's afraid of his dad. I, at this point, I do not care. He's had a second chance. This isn't just 
a one-time thing where he smacked around his girl. You know, that's look. You know, oh, I just smacked around my girl. Well, also look at these other guys that's beat up on her women. And, Ray Rice, and here's was an excellent running back. Where's he at? And here's the other gone thing. gone because he beat his wife. Here's the other thing I want to say. Or knocked her out. But now this is child abuse. You have now small children. Is, I have small children. And here, here's my point. It takes more than just grabbing a kid by the arm yes, to break it. It does because I've learned even because. My second child is rough and tough and probably going to play in the National Football League, so watch out. Um, <laughs> they can, they've got, they can fall and not hurt themselves, but they got to be really, you got to so really get hurt before something happens. To break an arm. To break this kid's arm somehow, some way, whatever. And the police has said it is, it is child abuse. They just can't determine. They can't determine which, if, parent, which did parent did it. But yet, the child is saying, I'm afraid of daddy. Daddy did it. And daddy did it. So, you know, it's one of those things where now the court is the court and the police, the authorities are caught in this, you know, he said, she said thing. And it's a gray area in the law. But so, but this is now being tried in the eyes of the public eye. And to me, this is where the Kansas City Chiefs, who you represent, Tyreek Hill, and most importantly, you know what happens. You don't mess with the shield. You no, you don't mess. The NFL cracks down on this, but you go, to me, this is becoming so. It's becoming a major issue in the NFL with these players. It ain't drugs no more. It's beating on their women and their children. This, this is because of that tape. It's damning the, evidence. I mean, it's, the authorities have reopened the investigation. Good. I mean, you know. And the Kansas City Chiefs have suspended Tyreek Hill. He's not allowed anywhere near their facilities. Good. You know, but, so you honestly, I know the NFL and the teams they allow the these players legal things to weigh out in court before but, they come down with the thing. But, but you know, you thing. went ahead, you did the right thing, and went ahead suspending with you know. Suspending. But here's the thing: it's not even being the right thing. He shouldn't have been on the team to begin. With. No, Especially that's where you have to go. To me, you have to. Yeah, exactly. Kansas City, you dropped the ball again. Apparently, so, and apparently this is what this is a good organization, but apparently, you know, I, this is where I think NFL teams are probably going to have to bring somebody in a special consultant that is a domestic violence uh, expert on how to deal with these things because it's becoming a it, like I said, it's becoming an epidemic in this league. This isn't becoming an epidemic. It is. It's been, a, it's it been is. an epidemic, but now it's being tried for, in the public eye and for people decades are just, and decades. Exactly. It's been hit. James Brown, Jim Brown, who's one of the best running backs in NFL history, wife beater. Yes. Warren Moon, one of the best quarterbacks in history, wife beater. But you didn't hear about it. No. It was kept under wraps. See, that's where, but now it's because of the way social media and the way media is. Now, you're not just, players are not just tried in the public, uh, in the court of law. You're tried in the public eye as well. And sometimes that could be even more damning than the court of law. Well, the issue with... Because your career has basically a, been ruined by the, by media. A professional athlete or a celebrity, but we're talking about professional athletes right now. They are a representation of the organization that, the organization that, they that work they work for. for and the shield which is the national yeah. football league as i refer to it and as. children look up to exactly. these players exactly now even me with the organization uh, that uh, that i work for i have to i mean i don't have a problem with it but i got to be careful about what i post on social media i have to be careful everybody about does everybody does these days because we have 
social media police for the company that I work for that monitors those things. Right. If I have anything on my social media platforms that have anything that lists where I work, what I do for a living, they have a right. To say you need to take that down. To, exactly. Uh, uh, to monitor that. And he is on a grander scale. Grander stage than, than we like are. Me. Exactly. So the fact that not only does he represent the organization, he's a role model to kids. These yeah. young receivers that are smaller, that are faster, that's like, I want to be like Tariq Hill because he's one of the best players in the league. And this man does not deserve that. This man deserves, if this is true, this man deserves to never see an NFL football field again. This man doesn't deserve the millions of dollars that he has. This man doesn't deserve anything but to sit in jail. Yeah. And it's at the point, like you said, the NFL has to say enough's enough. I understand someone, Kareem Hunt. Did what he did. He lied about it. This is his second chance with Cleveland. If he's not on his best behavior and is the model citizen yeah. in the city of Cleveland, if he's not a model citizen defending the Cleveland Browns, I'm sure. If he's not a model citizen defending the Shield, I'm sure Cleveland. Shield, I'm sure Cleveland said, "We're going to sign you." Cream Hunt will be out the door, and we'll I'm sure never. they said, "You screw up one time with this again, you're done." And and See, you know, that's the way it should be if you're going to give some guy a second chance. Cream Hump went to University of Toledo, which is in our backyard. And, and I went there. And so. Big Ben went to, to to Toledo. And this looks bad. Yeah. And this Tyreek Hill thing, words can't even describe. If this man not only is a woman beater, but is also a child abuser, this man deserves Where does- to sit in prison. Regardless of what he does for a living, most men who do this to their wives, girlfriends, or children, they're in jail. So tie your kill better get used to not putting on a football helmet, which you're not going to for a while until this plays out in the court. And then Kansas City and the National Football League make a make a after this all plays out, which more than likely. I'm glad that the Kansas City Chiefs said we don't want you around, but it needs to be more. It needs to be you're released. You I mean, are no longer I mean, part of this organization. That's what they did with uh, Hunt. Cream Hunt. When they found out he lied, boot, see ya. You are no longer part of this And guess what? It was in the middle of a playoff run. run. It was. That was in the middle of a playoff run. And they said, bye. So, the Chiefs, I'm calling you out, Kansas City Chiefs. You better make this right and release Tyreek Hill. And the rest of the teams in the league, you better not touch that man. Unless, unless uh, no, I don't know. there's no unless at this point. You're right. There's nothing anymore. He, he's already. This is his second. He's endangered the child twice. Once before it was born, and he laid his hands on a woman. I don't care what. <laughs> I've been in relationships where they've been horrible, and I've never had a thought about laying a hand on a woman. So this basically. man deserves everything he gets. Yep. His millions taken from him, his butt sitting in jail, losing his family, losing his child. This this is this is ridiculous. Yes. So this this will continue to play out as the investigation now has been reopened. So uh, this will continue to play out, and we'll we'll keep uh, 
We'll uh, keep tabs on it and uh, report anything new to you all. Um, let's, let's switch, let's to go, some let's switch it up. Let's talk. get some uh, happier NFL talk. Uh, the NFL draft uh, started off Thursday in the Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, Nashville, let me tell you, Nashville knows how to throw a party. So next year's team, whoever's, whichever host city and whichever NFL team, you got some big shoes to fill in Nashville. I wasn't a fan of the live band. On it's Nashville. I understand why you got live there. live music going on in street corners. I was <laughs> I was texting during the draft with with one of my buddies, Brian Tolliver. You better be listening. I was texting with with Brian and I said, "This band's got to go." And Brian's response was. It's the music. It's the music city. I'm with them. I'm with Brian. But I did it's not. It's the music city. But I did not. You're like, not going to get that in L. A. You're not going to get that in New York. You're not going to get that anywhere else. I did not like That's the, the music live city. Band. That's a part of the uniqueness of that city. It's you know NFL. To me, I'm so gratefully happy that they moved it out of Radio City Music Hall in New York City, because allowing these cities and these NFL franchises to host to host and put on a hell of a party for four days and basically I mean they're shutting down streets oh, in Nashville. Shutting, oh, Nashville is, you know, Nashville comes alive certain times of the year and this four-day stretch Nashville is putting on a hell of a party and hats off to you Nashville. You're doing a heck of a job already. So let's get to the recap of the draft. And uh, so last episode on the Varsity Club, we did a mock draft. We did our own mock draft. And let me tell you what our mock draft uh, matches up to the real draft. So basically, it's getting thrown out the door because this is a head scratching draft. Yeah. Outside of number one pick, which who we both, my number one pick was Kyler Murray to Arizona, which is correct. What happened? Dan's first pick was the second pick, San Francisco, San Francisco, and then after that. It all got thrown out the door because the New York Jets decided to go somewhere different than everybody's been talking about for the last months. It's so uh, they went with uh, Quinnen Williams. Quinnen Williams, Qu- which is he was probably overall the number one overall player in the I mean, he so you, can't, uh, you can't argue with that. It's just you know. But now you have him and Leonard Williams on the hey, side. The, the Gotham Green New York Jets. I'm telling you, they're going to be. They're going to step. They're stepping above. They're stepping up above in New York and stepping above the Giants now because so, the Giants are in crazy mode as well. But that's a good pick. I, I'm not arguing with it. Can't argue with it. That was a need that they needed, and they went with it. And they're setting up this stacked defensive line. Then we got the Oakland Raiders. Oakland Raiders. Chucky football. The head scratching pick of the night. Because to me, they could have picked him. They had okay. Oakland had three picks in the first round. Four, twenty-four, and twenty-seven. And the first pick was Cleveland Farrell, defensive end. Yeah, he's an edge rusher from Clemson, now, from the national champion Clemson Tigers. Edge rusher was a big need for them. Understandable, but you but could have traded down. You could and have traded down picks and got or, Farrell. To me. Colin Farrell, more than likely, looking the way this draft played out after you picked him, Colin Farrell would have been there at 24. Yeah, Cleveland Farrell would have been there at 24. He would have been there at 24. You could have got that. and could have got some other bigger need. You wouldn't have got Josh Jacobs. I don't think Josh Jacobs would have been around at 27. Josh Jacobs Jacobs, was the best running back in the draft. You really, honestly... Best running back I mean, in obviously, Oakland has room. to replace. We've heard Marshawn Lynch, the retired. beast, is now officially 100% retired now. And uh, so they had to replace him, so they got, went out and got the best running back in the draft this year. 
Marshawn Lynch had no intentions on going to Vegas. None. He wanted, he wanted to, to play for his hometown. hometown. He's an Oakland hometown boy. Went to college right there across the bridge in Berkeley at U at Cal. So he had no intention. When he got the opportunity, when he retired for that one season and with Seattle and said then then the opportunity came with Oakland. So he played Oakland for two seasons. And he knew that it was a short it was a short term thing. Because, you know, they're going to be in Vegas uh next year, I believe. Maybe not the year this after. coming season, it's the season after. Okay. Uh, this so, year they're still in Oakland. Okay, so he wasn't gonna be there, so they had to pick somebody, so they which I understand that pick too as well. I uh, love their three first round picks. They got three positions in need. Yep. You got three starters. Yes. But you could have dr- traded back if Cleveland Farrell was your guy, then that's if that was, was your that number was your one guy, guy on your board. You could have traded back and got him later. You could have. I'm sure your phone was ringing off the hook for that pick. You but could have maybe traded down with somebody and still got him. 24, Josh Jacobs. That that's a phenomenal pick. You, it, that's a plug and play starter. He's going to start for you at running back. Right. And you also have, I. Doug Martin is there. Um, Jalen Rashard is there. You have other running backs to spell him, but Josh Jacobs is your, is your right. guy now. Yeah. He's your guy. And I love the Jonathan Abram pick. Yeah, that's, the they, needed a, they needed a hard-hitting safety, and they could add to who he is, and that's what he got. You know, well, he, he now will – I mean, he's going to command the leadership in the secondary because he's such an impactful player that uh, if I was to grade these guys, Josh Jacobs gets a B, Jonathan Abram gets an A, Cleveland Farrell would get a B- minus just for where he was picked. But I still love yeah, their three picks. The, I, I like all three of their picks. picks as well. It's just to me, it's the head scratcher. Is one of the head scratchers in this in this draft already? Is where Colin, or what? Cleveland, Cleveland, Cleveland. Or if you want to do like Roger Goodell, Cleveland Pharrell. <laughs> Gotta love Roger Goodell. Um, yeah, it's just where he was picked because you could you could have got him for value. And, and a later pick. Same situation but with the next team I'm talking about, the Giants. The New York football Giants, who probably screwed up a lot of people's draft. A lot, well, I know. A lot of people mock. Yeah. I don't have a problem with Daniel Jones. I don't. If he's their guy. Once again, it's where he was picked. You know, he's got ties. He's He went to Eli and Peyton's quarterback camp. So he's from the got time the ties. He was in, he's, in he, junior high. He played at Duke. So who's the head coach of Duke? David Cutliffe, who is. Cutcliffe was the coach for uh, is, Ole Miss. Old Miss. And he was also. He was also Peyton Manning's quarterback coach at Tennessee under yes. Philip Fulmer. So, so he's got those Manning ties. Okay, he's going to be the understudy for. So now the Giant fans can, I guess, rest a little easy. They're still uneasy about this pick. I guess. I guess they all wanted Haskins, but they got the pick. He can set back behind Eli and let the transition be a more. I think it'll be a more transitional, an easier transition now because there's the familiarity. With Daniel Jones, there's not going to be that. There's not going to be that tension in that no, quarterback. No, it's going to be a smooth, a smooth transition. Yeah. Eli knows that he's. He knows he's on the downward. He's him. done. He's on. But now he knows that the guy that's behind him, the ready is going to step into his role. He knows who he is, well, what he's capable of doing. Eli Manning's influenced him since he's been 12, 13 years old. Right. So for him to be the one that is going to replace him, that definitely makes that. Quarterback a lot room's easier, easier a lot for easier. the transition, but you could have got him at 17, and with the 17th pick, you took Dexter Lawrence, the defensive line, which is a great pick. Another great, another. Yeah. But 
You could have went. Let's just play devil's advocate. You could have went Ed Oliver, Daniel Jones, DeAndre Baker, which would have been a whole heck of a lot of a better pick. You exactly. could have got Daniel Jones at seventeen easily. You could have. You could have flip flopped if you went. I don't know. Dexter Lawrence went away, but you could have got Ed Oliver. You, you could have got Ed Oliver at six. You could and then at L seventeen, you could have said Daniel well, Jones, quarterback from Duke, and then you'd be okay. And then you still could got got DeAndre Baker as your top who I rated cor- the best your top rated draft. corner on your board. So you know you could have got what you wanted. You know Giants did a great job. I think you know it's just you know it's going to be tough. He's going to have to he's going to have to grow some thick. I know you know Eli's going to tell him you're going to have to be have thick skin. You're playing in New, New York. York. You're on the biggest stage, so you're going to have to. Grow some thick skin, and uh, but I watched this kid at Duke, and he's poised. I don't know how his how long it's going to take him to develop. He might be a sooner than later. It might be an accelerated process to get him on that field uh, by season's end. But uh, well, he's it, definitely poised. You know, when New York, if they don't not by week, at least by mid season, if they, they're not playing very well, they're out of the playoff picture. You know, they're going to be calling you, for you him. You need to put Daniel Jones in the. They're, they're going to be the New York media, the fans are going to be saying, "We want him. You drafted him. We want him. So put him out there." So I do think he believed he was going to New York, but he looked like he was shocked that he was picked at six. You know, the funniest thing is that they showed. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, ESPN did, and he kind of laughed. He kind of laughed and kind of shrugged the shoulders. But but we'll get some more Dwayne Haskins in a little bit. Uh, I guess the next pick we're going to go. We're going to talk about. Uh, Sorry, Detroit Lions. Not my Detroit Lions. The city of Detroit's Detroit Lions. Where the brothers be? It's already we got to talk about them. But everybody knows I'm not a Detroit Lion fan and never will be. But let's talk about it. T.J. Hawkinson had been mocked to the Lions for months. Yeah, and drafts. But I was funny. I was sitting there. I told you this before we started. I said, was sitting there watching this draft unfold, and I'm sitting there thinking, Josh, not just because, yeah, we talk about it. Josh Allen's from Kentucky, right? We, Kentucky's our, that's our program. And I'm like, I'm sitting there thinking, probably one of the top edge rusher in this draft. I believe he's the top edge rusher. And I'm sitting there the thinking, draft. he's going to fall right into the lion's lap. I'm like, don't screw this up. Take him if he, if you're going to fall to him. But, of, of, so of course, Jacksonville, took, Jacksonville him took him the pick before. I thought Jacksonville was taking TJ Hawkinson. I, that was my pick. Didn't I tell you? I, yeah. In my, our mock draft, if you take a look, if you listen last episode, I had the Jacksonville pick at number seven, and I said TJ Hawkinson from Iowa. Because that fills a major, major need that Nick Foles loves to have that a great tight end well, Nick, to duck the ball off to. He's had great tight ends with Philadelphia, uh, with Philadelphia. Zach so, Ertz. Uh, Zach Ertz. Uh, he's in uh, Chicago now, but the uh, other yeah, the other one they have the, the one uh, through the super pass in the Super Bowl. Yeah, the the <sighs> his name uh, escapes the me. Special. Yeah, yeah. Well, the name escaped me. He'll come to us but, eventually, but you know who we're talking about. But he would have been perfect in Jacksonville now. But I, I think it was a scenario where Jacksonville was like TJ Hawkinson might be our guy, but when when you Josh got the Allen best edge available, rusher in this draft coming, you know, like right here it is. No offense to Nick Bosa, I think Josh Allen's the best pure defensive end rusher now. Nick Bosa's explosive. Well, Nick, he's better than his brother. But where I put Josh Allen ahead of Nick Bosa is Nick Bosa hasn't played since what October yeah, of last year. Because basically he got that core injury and said, "I'm done. I'm done." What's smart? I don't believe you know, him at all. That's always been, got him a you know, we talked about it before. You know, it got him to be the second row, which at the time they were, you know, he was slated to be number one, but then obviously Kyler Murray and the end and kind of NFL combine happened, and that things changed a bit. But San Francisco's happy with Nick Bosa, so so 
At, but at, at eight for the Lions, I know in our mock draft I picked Devin White. I, I said when we picked our mock draft, I didn't think he would be there, and he went to Tampa Bay at, at five. So I, I didn't think he would be there. But sitting there at eight, I'm looking at there, I'm thinking, okay, okay. Ed Oliver. Let, let me just recap. The Lions needs, okay, top needs, okay, top needs, Detroit Lions, a cornerback, a tight end, edge rusher, uh, interior offensive lineman, wide receiver, and a linebacker. So, so in our mock draft, because Devin White was there, I said you can't pass we're, up. We're thinking Devin because White. probably we're thinking the same boat. Matt Patricia, defensive specialist, Super Bowl champion, defensive coordinator, defensive guy. Let's go after you. Lost Ziggy Ansa. You need an edge rusher. Actually, the, the talk is he might be coming back. Oh God, help us all! But that's I'm not a Lions fan, so. The more power to him. Uh, so I guess the best tight end on the board, and all of it, the number one rated tight end falls to you at number seven but, and number eight. But my point you gotta of take it is, it. my point of it is, is I would have been happier if you wanted to take a tight end if you took Irv Smith in the second round. I would have been a little happier with that because okay, as much as we talk defense, and you know Ed Oliver was there. Uh, I almost because thought Josh Allen would be. So I made it. this comment. I told it to you before we started. I said the second round pick for the Lions is going to dictate how this draft is going to play out and what type of grade it is. Let's not go there. And to me, <laughs> flat out a failure so, already. So here, but I want to talk a little bit more about this. <laughs> when when it was Hawkinson, Hawkinson, a tight end. You know, I'm not saying Jesse James is some. All pro and they said the end. Lions have picked the most. Jesse James is a pass receiving tight end. He's not known for his blocking. TJ Hawkinson is more of a TJ Hawkinson. If I would, com- I know people were saying Gronk, but if, if I was to compare Gronk him, is the worst. <laughs> if I was to compare him to tight end in, in the NFL, there's two that TJ Hawkinson reminds me of, and that's Jason Witten and that's Heath Miller. Those are the guys T.J. Hawkinson reminds me of. And if I look based off of that, that is excellent. So what this tells me with T.J. Hawkinson, and you went out and signed and paid some pretty good money for a good pass-catching tight end in Jesse James. So you're looking at, for all intents and purposes, you're looking at two tight end sets. Well, that's the Daryl Bevel way. It's two tight end sets. One and it might save Matt Stafford, but we don't running. know. Well, I, I have a different thought process on that. But when it came at eight, I'm thinking myself, okay, Ed Oliver's on the board. Devin Bush is on the board. There's a lot, a lot. But the guy that I... The and we so got you're telling close, me after what dance, Ed Oliver, As we Devin got closer Bush, to the draft... You're the talking place needs, needs, other needs that you need. Oliver. Bush. But as we got closer to the draft, the guy that hell I wanted, you could have drafted Dwayne Haskins and be the, be the quarterback. The guy I wanted here, once it fell out, you went to T.J. Hawkinson. But when when it fell out know. and it got to this point in the draft, and I thought we were going to get Josh Allen, and then it didn't happen. I wanted Jonah Williams here, the offensive lineman from Alabama, who can play both they, tackle and guard. Think of what jo- uh, Jonah Williams would have done for us. Yeah. Plug and play him right now at right guard. Yeah. If Rick Wagner don't move out, you can move him to right tackle. If Taylor Decker, you, you decide that you want to move him to the right side because you're going to need to re-sign him and pay him, and you think he's not really worth left tackle money, right. you can move him to right tackle 
and put Jonah Williams at left. They field. had Lions have there a pl- so many Lions have a plan this year and I don't understand. Totally that. went off the ra- it went off the rails because we have no clue on. But I will looking at this like what are they doing? But I will, I I will. I don't know. Say this and I'm impressed. Whatever their plan is, they're staying on course because we have no idea what they're doing. Well, we're saying and they're staying on course because this is the secret plan that they're not divulging to nobody. And but they are very diligent about you know, who they. To me, pick. their second round pick, they said. Took a spit wad and let's throw it in the ball and see if it's going to stick and where is it going to stick on. Well, CBS <sighs> Sports has him has him rated as a B plus for their draft, and he is a Devin White type <laughs> linebacker. But he played in the Mountain West Conference. You could have got him played later in on Hawaii, and you could have got him probably a fourth, fifth round. Six round pick. I don't know about six round. Probably fourth or fifth. You could got him in the fourth or fifth. You could probably got him in the third or fourth round. But, but uh, uh, then you got Pittsburgh. To me, it's a, stre- it's a stretch. Oh, let's talk about my Pittsburgh Steelers, who by far are probably getting a top. They're getting. They're going. They've got a goal set in mind, and they're going after it. And you all know what it is. And watch out in an AFC North because they're coming right back at you. What happened? The pitfalls of last year ain't happening again anymore because they're coming back. They're building a defense. They're building a defense. They got the probably the best linebacker that just started rising in Devin Bush. The guy can – we talked about it last week. Run yes. north to south, east to west. Constantly, no, never stops. They moved from uh, 20 to 10. They gave up quite a bit to get them. You know, they gave it to 20 and probably – what a third? They maybe. gave up. They gave up another pick this year and a second round pick next year. So they gave up a lot for Devin. But Bush. knowing Pittsburgh, they'll do some and get some more picks somewhere but or another. They're not concerned what about what Devin Bush does for them. That's their Ryan Shazier. Yes, because we know that probably Ryan Shazier. Ryan Shazier. They got to replace him. Ryan Shazier, sideline to sideline. He was the heart and soul. You know what? He might be a little faster from sideline to sideline than Ryan Shazier. Shazier was sideline to sideline. He was the heart and soul of that defense, and that's what Devin Bush has potential to be. But I think the Atlanta Falcons did an excellent job in this. Yeah, quietly, the Atlanta Falcons have uh, did some things to protect Matt Ryan. He was one of the wasn't the highest sacked quarterback. That honor goes to Deshaun Watson, but <laughs> Matt Ryan got hit a lot. And you go out and you get two of the best offensive linemen, and Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry. Atlanta quietly they weren't sexy picks, but Atlanta went out and got the job done in the first round. Yeah, I mean they got they they recognized that we got to protect Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's only good to us standing upright throwing the football. And not on his back, or being knocked down, or being chased out of the pocket. He needs to be where he needs to be upright. And they went out there and they had to address the need that they got to protect Matt Ryan. And they went out and did it. Probably the two best options, other than Jonah Williams, that they could have got. Right. Exactly. I mean, yeah, quality, quality, uh, quality offensive lineman right there. You can't go wrong with that. And Jonah Williams, he went eleventh Cincinnati. Correct. Right. Correct. Because which you know Cincinnati That's to me great. I was like right here Dwayne Haskins is going to the Bengals because Ohio State guy going to the Bengals you know you can put butts in the seats and down there at Cincinnati you got the you know a new quarterback uh, new coaching staff down there new quarterback 
you know, the old well, is Cincinnati going out. But Cincinnati went out and got. They went and got a quarterback in round went, four. Ryan. As, as they called, what do they call him? What do they call Jonah Williams? A nerd? Because he's constantly, constantly just, he eats it up. He studies the game. He's in the film room. He's just constant, constant workhorse and uh, constantly a student of the game. And uh, hats and the, off to the Bengals on that one. And the Bengals did go out and get themselves a quarterback in round four. Um, they got Ryan Finley from North Carolina State. So they they got so they got a possibly an heir apparent. That's to, going uh, to definitely help. That's going to definitely help if you're building uh, him for your future at quarterback. Um, Ryan Finley to go out and have someone like Joe right. Williams, you know, you know, doing right. doing the protecting of him. So that was definitely so the Buffalo Bills went out and got to Ed Oliver from Houston. So from what I'm hearing though, but. Once I've heard a few things about Ed Oliver after the draft, I'm not too upset the Lions got him because he is in love with the city of Houston, and they think he's guaranteed after his first contract that he's, he's going, going to Houston. Tech. He's and, going to Houston. You know, to me, you know. So that would be another Indominus Sue, and, and I'm well, kind of glad that's that we fine. passed I mean, on It's that. Buffalo. It's Buffalo. Nobody wants to go to Buffalo. Nobody wants to play in cold-ass weather, outdoor stadium. Nobody wants to play in cold-ass Buffalo. Well, I mean, for us, the Lions to pass on him. Now, learning that information, I, I'm not too upset because I wouldn't want another Indominus Sue hear one contract and leave. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, if we talked about it, they snagged uh, Josh Allen with the number seven pick from Kentucky. And then at five, the Bucks, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, went and picked uh, Devin White from LSU, the linebacker. We'll, we'll probably touch a little more on the overall reaction. Yeah, the, the overall, you know, because we still got more to actually currently, as we're speaking, the draft is going on. The fourth, the fourth round and fifth round is are going on right now. So uh, we'll 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 recap. We'll put a bow, nice little big old bow, next time uh, here on the Varsity Club on the NFL Draft. And uh, let's get we're going to uh, shift gears to local, local stuff here here in the D. And uh, as we spoke about it last week, briefly at the end, Steve Eisman is uh, now in place as the executive vice president of hockey operations and the general manager for the Detroit Red Wings to rebuild this um, storied original six franchise back to Stanley Cup glory. If, uh, they made, if he's the guy to do it, he's this is the guy to do it. They made the announcement on April 19th. They also say that they promoted Ken Holland to senior vice president and advisor to hockey operations. Ken Holland is a fantastic general manager. And I've said this before. He is, but I think his time, he, you know, it's kind of one of those things, you overstayed your welcome, stuff wasn't happening for you, the deals weren't making, being done. It's kind of like one of those things, you know. See, I kind of disagree with you to an extent because I think a lot of the handcuffing with salary cap the last several years, I think he's doing the I Red Wings have been one of the teams in this league this. has been handcuffed by salary cap. I believe Ken Holland has started the process of a terrific rebuild. He start yeah, it's been started. So now I mean, you got some. You got you got you got Dylan Larkin, homegrown, yeah. drafted talent. Anthony Mantha, you got that. Andres Athens to see you. You you've got some. You you drafted well. I'm just saying, your scouting They're department is drafted well. You get these high picks. You're drafting well. Ken Holland is a phenomenal um, general manager, and if they have decided just to have parted ways with him, he'd be a general manager, a vice president somewhere else but right d- now. But, you know, Ken Holland played here for the Detroit Red Wings. Once his playing days were done, 
he started in the front office and you know worked his way up to. But I've said this know, before. I a lot of his handcuffing and bad moves was Mike Illich saying, "Do whatever it takes to make playoffs." Uh, we'll t- I'm gonna touch on uh, we'll touch on Detroit sports here in shortly, so but we're gonna talk about his the, run the of the playoffs towards those last probably five years where they made the playoffs in their 19 consecutive years yeah. was Illich telling them yeah, do whatever it takes do whatever it takes and go out there and get some players that and he wasn't had making, no business coming here yeah. you're only getting you're going out there you're giving up you're giving up draft status you're giving up salary you're giving up players and money for these guys to come in and play for you know end of the season and into the playoffs and then you're done you know, they're not here no more so this makes me go old Steve Eisen was drafted <laughs> number four overall in 1983 yeah you were only two years old I was three years old well, three years the old the 86-87 <laughs> season he was named the captain he was named captain at the age of 21 he retired on July 3rd of 2006 his number number 19 was retired by the Detroit Red Wings one year on later January 2nd one year later, 2007, so six months later, and he was inducted into the well, that was hockey, a hockey Hall of Fame in 2009. <laughs> Number 19 belonged in the Raptors, you know, at Joe Louis Arena yes. or now Little Caesars Arena alongside the greats, Red Wing greats. Yeah, so. His first job in the front office came when he was, in 2008, he was named the general manager of Team Canada. He had some success with Team Canada. And, um, he and, was. And Before player. he left in 2010, he was the central yeah. assistant GM to Ken Holland. That is correct. In 2010, he was named the vice president and general manager for the Tampa Bay Lightning, the same role he's got with the Red Wings. Uh, they reached the Stanley Cup Finals in 2015. But been in the playoffs all, all, been in the, playoffs every, the whole entire time he's been there. And he was front office general manager, whatever you want to call it, of the year in 2015. Yeah, the executive GM of the year, yeah. yeah. GM of the year. So they had some struggles when he first got there. Like he did. But he had to, like, you know, he made the announcement that, here, it's going to take me a minute. Just like what he took over in Tampa. It took him a minute. He went and done it the right way. He drafted now, he, I don't he think there, it's going to take him time here in Detroit. Not, I don't Ken think Holland it's not as much. Has started a great Not as ago. much, but you're definitely right away you're going to see the Stevie Y stamp on this team right away. You're going to see it. You're going to see and it. They got some great pieces play that you know, they got uh, Philip Zadina you know, who we haven't talked think about yet. By him now in this role, I think you're going to get some top name free agents that are going to pick that phone call up now. And I don't know if Jeff Blaschel's the man for the right job. Right now he is. Right now he is. he's a phenomenal He's a player's coach. coach. He's a player's coach. He knows how to get. A lot of these young guys that are currently on this Red Ring roster were on the Grand Rapids, their minor league, the American Hockey League, because he was the coach of the American Hockey League for the Grand Rapids Griffins, their affiliate there. And a lot of these players he coached already when he took the job. It was kind of like a... A seamless kind of transition, transition for him. Yeah. Probably one of the most easiest transition hires in all of sports. He knows the majority of these guys, so he gets the best out of them when he needs to get them out of there but at the right time. But if he's times. not the answer long term, he's going to be a successful NHL head coach. You do have on your staff 
Former Pittsburgh uh, Pirates or Pittsburgh the assistant head Pater, coach Dan Blaisman. I, Dan Blaisman is one of before they hired well, before they hired Blaisman. Like you got to go out and get Dan Bielman. He's the two-time Stanley Cup champion yeah. from Pittsburgh. Got to go out and get him. Got to so, go out and get him. But you got him as on the staff, staff too. So there so is something Blaschel there. Blaisman is not. If CDY decides Blaisman is not the future, like I said, he's going to be a successful NHL coach. You you do have Dan Blaisman on on your staff as well. So yeah, so they finally, the Illich family, Chris, has finally decided enough is enough. We've missed the playoffs the last three years after previous 25 years. The longest rain rain in any sport of any franchise of any sport to make the playoffs. And, of course, we won cups during that 25 years. Went to the Stanley Cup Finals, won cups, President's Trophy winners, you know, on and on and on. But the last three seasons, you know, and now you have to fully call this a rebuild. You've got to call it now that you switched general managers. Now you've called because, you know, it's it's so I think, they've made the right steps now here and I to do try think to repair. This, you know, the thing I also think this does, I think you're going to see 91 in the rafters. With the relationship between Eisenman and Fedorov. Yes, but we, that's been always talk, been the great debate about 91. There's actually the been Raptors. talk about Eisenman wanting to reach out to Fedorov of joining his front office. But and, I don't know. Can you get so, Sergey out of Russia now? Sergey's back in Russia. Well, you can't I'm get him just, out. I don't know. But that's been the talk. That's always been the rumor that 91 has always been a hotly debated because, you know, he's part of those great Stanley Cup teams that we had here where we went back to back and then we went, you know, then we went, another, you know, during those great runs with Scotty Bowman and all that, and also, you know he was part of it. But then he also there was said, the bad taste in his mouth when he went to when he signed that offer sheet with Carolina. Yes, and the Red Wings matched, and then ultimately he went to Anaheim. Right. Then ultimately he didn't go to Carolina. Didn't come to Detroit. He goes out to the out to L.A. and plays for Anaheim for the Ducks. So, and then pretty much that career was pretty much done after that. But you know, Red Wings have made the right move, and to me, brought the right guy to finish, kind of finish what. Ken Holland has started with drafting these young players and, you know, putting things in place. You know, to me, I still think the Red Wings need a goaltender. I'm not, never been sold on Jimmy Howard. You went up and re-signed him. You extended well, him for another two years. He's in place for them to find a goaltender. And he's a decent But, you know, I think goaltender. they've got, like, Jonathan Breer. They got him the back. Breer's a solid, solid goaltender. He was with Toronto, a solid goaltender. With Tampa, was with Tampa as well, so you know there's some familiarity. Yeah, we'll there. see how that works out. I think I think they're going to go more because you've seen a lot this past. I didn't watch a lot of lot of hockey, but I did see when they put the lineups when the lineup cards came out. There was a lot of you. You didn't see Jimmy Howard play goal for more than you know. They wasn't. A, yeah, he didn't. You didn't play like two three games in a row and then set him down. It was like a revolving door. It but was, he is. But he's the veteran. You know, he's you know. the veteran guy, but you know. You know, there's some things, other things that need a place, but now this Red Wings is probably one of the out of the four professional teams here in Detroit that has actually now have stepped up and said, "Enough's enough. It's time to move on from this lull period and let's get back to playing hockey and becoming hockey town again." Um, because you know, hockey town is hockey town when we win in hockey, and we ain't been winning hockey lately, so hockey town is not hockey town anymore. It's a little blemished, but well, well, we got the right guy in uh, 
in place in the, for well, the Red Wings. Let's talk briefly. I don't want to get too in depth. It's just going to upset us. The state of the state Detroit. of Detroit hockey. Well, Detroit of Detroit sports. Detroit sports. Uh, I got some. Let me got some things here for you, Dan. Uh, Detroit sports is now uh, one thousand one hundred and one consecutive days without a playoff win. That's all professional sports. With the sweeping of the Detroit Pistons, to me, had no business being in the NBA playoffs. That I agree. Regardless of what position they were going to be in. If it was, you know, at one point they had the sixth seed, then they slipped to the seventh seed, then they ultimately slipped to the eighth seed, and then got destroyed by the best team in the Eastern Conference in the Milwaukee Bucks. And with that said, ESPN tweeted out, uh, rough time to be a Detroit fan. And they put up crybaby Andre Drummond and put this lost 14 straight NBA, lost 14 straight playoff games. That's an NBA record. And then next to it, they had Matt Stafford. And it said the last time the Lions won a playoff get, win was 1991. And that's the second largest active streak and then the Red Wings, they had, I think they had Dylan Larkin's picture. And, of course, it said they missed the last three seasons, missed the playoffs in the last three seasons, and then previous to that, 25 straight years in the playoffs. And then finally they had a picture of Miguel Cabrera, and it says the last time they won a playoff series was 2013. And we all know what happened in 2013, where they got crushed by the Boston Red Sox. The infamous David Ortiz shot into the bullpen and Torrey Hunter flipping over, and that was that was it. And that's the last time Detroit is said six years ago that we've been relevant in baseball. And uh, so, yeah, well, national media, ESPN, just a not a very good time just in Detroit. To say, and it's not. To me, the it's verdict not. is out on the Lions. I don't know. The verdict is out on the Lions. We don't know what they're doing. We got, we, but although I do want to say, it looks like there's a light at the end of the tunnel with the Lions and the Red Wings of them turning things around and, and building a team. Me and Dan have a different opinion on the Lions. I, I'm, I'm sorry, the Tigers. <laughs> oh, Tigers. Tigers. Well, and yes, Wings. yes. Yeah, I, I, yes. I don't know the direction that the, the Lions are going in, but I said this before. I do want to give... Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn their due because they have a plan and they're sticking to it. And what and that plan be, is, nobody know, knows. But they're gonna live and die by this. They're plan. gonna live and die by this plan. The, to if, me, if it if it works, Matt Patricia is gonna be coach of the year. If it doesn't, you'll see a new. Well, the Lions need a new general manager and a new head coach. And you'll see Matt Patricia, a defensive coordinator somewhere. In Probably back in New England. But, you know, and to me, out of the four teams, you know, the Red Wings, like we just talked about, they've made the step now. And so are the Tigers. I know you don't back. like the Tigers' general manager, but no, he is he's, making he, He's got to go. But, again, he was handcuffed by Mike Illich, and the previous regime that he was a part of you know, was the, handcuffed by Mike And then there has Illich. been a rumor that the Illich family, Chris Illich, who's now heads up uh, Illich Holdings and which is, you know, the Tigers and the Red Wings, because they own them both, that the Tigers have been rumored to be up for sale. There's a for sale sign outside of Comerica Park. Well, visible. not in, in, <laughs> and, and the talk is Dan Gilbert's been interested in Dan Mark. Gilbert. There's also been the name of Mark Cuban been thrown out there. 
I don't know if they've been in talks with these guys, but you yeah, know, Mark Cuban at one I think I think Illich is trying to Chris is trying to maybe just focus on one sports franchise, and I think he's chosen the Red Wings as uh, their choice of where the family's going to because that was their first. You know, they bought yeah. they bought the Red Wings for to me pennies on the dollar back in 1980. Or seventy nine or eighty or whatever it was, they brought it for pennies on the to me pennies for a, to our original six team in the National Hockey League. One of the original six teams which is worth a lot of money. They back then it was, you know, by today's I mean that's a billion dollar franchise now. So I mean, but I think they're more focusing now. They're focusing more on the, the Detroit Red Wings. They've got the move. They got Steve Eiserman in place now. To rebuild this team and get back to playoff hockey and Stanley Cup contention. And then when it comes to the Pistons, I see two bright spots on, on the Pistons, and, and I'll tell you that. First bright spot is their head coach, Dwayne Casey, phenomenal. Well, how much rope are they gonna give him? But he's a That's phenomenal the, coach. How much is Tom Gores, the absentee owner? And, we have an absentee owner here in Detroit, and that's Tom Gores. And the second bright spot that I see on this team is Blake Griffin had the. Best season of his career, I understand. You know what? He's that's going to earn here. him. That's going to earn him a trade. He sh- they should trade him. Why they can to get some value. He's the only player on their team they're going to be able to get value for. That's that's the second bright spot. Trade him and get some value. The Pistons need number one is the Pistons need to blow this thing up. Well, unfortunately, it's difficult with which you you've have. handcuffed. You've handcuffed yourself in the last decade. With contracts overpaying. Thank you, Stan Van Gundy. <sighs> Thank you, Joe Dumars. See, I, Joe was handicapped. Joe is a different scenario. I mean, I love Joe. He's part of the success of the franchise. Joe was hand, handcuffed late in his career as president of, and general manager because they had the you know the death of Bill Davidson, the looming. We don't know what's going to happen with the team, yada, yada, yada. And then the new ownership came in, Tom Gorris. And, uh, Who has zero clue about life in general. Has, yeah, and, uh, you know, more cares about Blake Griffin and his season tickets to the Clippers. No, his, his, his <laughs> biggest worry is how can he... Please, Andre Drummond, who is the most selfish, undeserving player ever. It doesn't deserve his time. But anyway, anyway, I can go on about Tom Gorris to me, I think. So, yeah, Tom Gorris, sell the team if you can. Get get out while you can. Go go by the Clippers if you want to. So when the biggest bright spot, we probably both agree, is they've got one heck of a coach, but he's got nobody to coach. And he took... True. He took... A crap team. But I don't know why their battle cry was, let's get to the playoffs. He took a crap team. To me, don't get in the playoffs. I don't, not, don't tank, but because you can't really do that nowadays when they switch up the lottery process. But why push yourself to, let's make the playoffs? What are you going to do? You're not a playoff team. Well, that's you are below. This is how bad the Eastern Conference is. We can talk about the NBA. How bad the Eastern Conference is. You know, they've got one, two, three teams maybe that are good. 
and the rest of them are eh. No, they got Milwaukee that's good, Toronto is good, Boston's good, Philly. You can good. throw so maybe four. Indiana. Five. It's showing promise. You got five so teams. So five teams out of all the teams in the Eastern Conference. But that's Conference. what tells you our bright spot is our coach, Dwayne Casey. He took a crap team and coached them up to get them in the playoffs. You can't fault well, Dwayne Casey. Casey was NBA coach of the year in Toronto. Last year. Went to the playoffs. The last year. Last year. Gets fired because you take a team to the NBA playoffs and lose in the Eastern semifinals because you couldn't get couldn't over beat, the hump. They couldn't beat LeBron James. Because you couldn't beat LeBron James. And now LeBron James is not in the Eastern Conference. He's out in the Western Conference. So Taking the rest of the season. So instead you fire the guy. And what are you going to Toronto? You're now in a dogfight with um, Bucks now. You're playing the Bucks now. So, <laughs> you get to draw the semifinal matchup with the Bucks. So, <laughs> good luck with that one. But, you know, the Pistons is just they're a horrible scenario. Uh, just, they're just, it's just bad from ownership all the way down. Toronto's playing Philadelphia. Oh, Philadelphia. Sorry. Philadelphia. Um, the but, Bucks are playing the Celtics. You know, the Lions, are, the Lions, and that's, they're always going to be the Lions. Uh, until, uh, you know, here's my statement and uh, some other things around here, other uh, news outlets, you know, are up in arms about this, that the national media is throwing salt in the wounds of Detroit. Um, no, they're not. This is here's my why. They're telling the truth. The city of Detroit professional teams were not good. And we're not going to be good for some time now. There's a few teams that are showing promises that are probably will give, probably give us some hope. We've got hope now. Steve Eisman's back home. There's hope for the Red Wings now. There's hope for the Tigers. There's hope for the Tigers. If I mean, they're still they played bad baseball last night. It was horrible. I listened to this game up seven runs, wind up losing the game. Like something wild, 11 to 12 10. To 11. 12 to 11. That's because Daniel Norris was pitching. <sighs> Daniel Norris. Doesn't deserve him on the team. But, but anyway. Anyway, we anyway but, you know, to me, you know, and some of these other, well, Detroit fans are loyal. Yeah. We are loyal. We are loyal. But to me, and what I'm doing with my fandom is I'm standing up to these owners here in Detroit and saying enough is enough it's time for you to give us something just give us something well if you, if you want to say give us something there's three organizations in Detroit giving us something but the us- Red Wings and Tigers with rebuilds and we don't know what that something is in the Lions but they sure are giving us something they're giving us something like what are you doing but anyway I'm saying I'm addressing the owners of the of the of our four sports teams well they're not listening to you well, no, they don't because they don't listen to their fans. They don't listen to the people that go buy the tickets to go to Little Caesars Arena, which I will not step well, foot in the arena for any well, Detroit Pistons basketball or Detroit Red Wings. Well, here's, here's until the something problem. happens. I will not step foot in Ford Field ever again in my life unless here's it's for problem. Monster Jam or a concert. I will not step in it for no National Football League. Well, here's the problem, Ben. They they're still selling out. <laughs> That's so, these. 
You these, might not be buying tickets. But these fans around. in this town, you're, that's where you're loyal to a fault. You still jam-packed Ford Field eight games out of the year for crap. And it's been that way for 25 years. 1991. What was the 1991? Who was the players on that 1991 team? Barry freaking Sanders is the last time somebody won a playoff game. It was Barry Sanders and that Detroit Lions team. We don't have and have that no more. We got Matt Stafford, the China doll that can't throw a pass. Now he was the highest paid player and just overthrowing receivers. My opinion is the owners step up. Ford family, you want to step up, put a winning team on this team, or sell the team, sell the team. Tom Gora, sell the team. You ain't going to do nothing. You're going to be an absentee owner. You're the most worst owner in all of professional sports. You're an absentee owner. Hold on, hold on. He is an absentee owner. What about the New York Knicks? No. Second team. Worst owner. <laughs> Second Tom worst Gore. owner, and it happens to be in the NBA. So, Tom, them two are uh, neck and neck. The absentee ownership, but you got to you got loyal fans here, and they're still buying and coming to your for this crap product. For me, I'll sell. I've sold or I've given up my fandom to these teams. I've moved on. My NFL team, the black and gold, the Pittsburgh Steelers, or anybody else that I'll pledge a fandom to. Red Wings and Tigers, you're still holding on by a thread. I don't have an NBA team. It's up for it's up for NBA. It's up. It's up. I don't have fandom anymore. Detroit Lions could care less. I'm glad I don't have. That's one thing why I don't like to watch football anymore on front Mondays. Because guess what? What do we got? The only alternative we got to NFL football in Detroit, unless you've got the NFL package. The red zone package where you can watch another game is the Detroit Lions, and I don't like watching it. So to me, fans, you got to wake up. Wake up. It's time. We need to put these owners in check. you got to check them. If you want great sports, you want championships back again, you got to check these owners. Check these owners so we can get championship back in Detroit. It's been a long time since we've had a championship in this city. Long time. The city likes championships. We deserve a championship. We're one of these cities across this country that, you know, some some cities don't have championships. Check these owners. You're loyal. Check these owners. Dan, where can uh, our great listeners can get us? Remind the new listeners where they can uh, check us out at. You can hear us on Pocket Cast, Breaker, Overcast, Radio Public. You can hear us on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, and Google Podcasts. Where can you contact us at? You can reach us by emailing us at brothersofthed at gmail.com, on Twitter and Instagram at brothersofthed1, and on Facebook at brothersofthed. All right. We'll Next time, we're going to break down, as you said, the American League West Division, yes. correct? Yes. And we'll probably put a nice little fancy little bow on the NFL 2019 NFL draft. And whether else comes up, we got the NBA Finals, probably Conference Finals will uh, be by then. We'll probably be in check unless somebody goes Game 7 again. And <laughs> we, the NHL. And the NHL has got... Uh, and that's Hockey Talk. And that's... <laughs> that's Hockey Talk. 
Uh, <laughs> um, so, I'm Big Ben. I'm the Dan Brewer. And this is the Varsity Club, and we're the Brothers of the D. We'll see you next time.